Happy Easter. I'm so glad that you guys are here. Thank you for being here. As you heard, Doug Baldwin is here. He's in the house, and we're going to get to hear from him in just a minute. You know, last, last gathering, incredible, incredible what God did in people's hearts and in people's lives. And our prayer for today is that God will do the same in yours. So, hey, without further ado, I want you to stand to your feet. Would you help me give an awesome momentum welcome to my friend, Doug Baldwin. Put your hands together. All the way from Gulf Breeze High to Seattle, Seahawks, Super Bowl champion, superstar in the house, Doug Baldwin. Thank you, buddy. Man. Woo. Awesome. Man, that was a great welcome. That was so good. Doug, first off, man, I want to congratulate you on a couple of cool things that have been going on in your life. You just got engaged to your best friend, Tara. Is that right? Yes, sir. March 3rd? Yes, sir. I think we got a picture. Do we have a picture? Can we put that picture up there? Hello. Is she beautiful? Yeah, man. She's not not smiling because she didn't know it was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. When I saw that picture, I thought her breath was taken away, man. Absolutely. Now, this picture is really cool. Tell us about this pic. Okay, so this is, um, well, first off, let me start off with the date. So March 3rd, 2016, I kept seeing Matthew 3, verse 16 in my head for whatever reason. Uh, And so it correlates to March 3rd, 2016. And Matthew 3, verse 16, is, it's when, uh, it's after Jesus is being baptized. And basically to me is what it, what it said is like, this is a start of a new life. Uh, you know, new life, not only for Jesus, but for the world. And so this location is where I'm building my house at uh, in Seattle. And so, you know, this was my uh, statement to her that this is where we're going to build our life. This is our new start. This is where we're going to build our family. So that's what it meant to me. I love that, man. I love that. Well, you just said a key word, and that was family, and that's the second thing I seriously and sincerely want to congratulate you about is, Doug, you prioritize family. Family matters to you. In a day and age where we're so busy, right, so much, so many things happening, family matters. And so, you know, we knew you were coming in, your brother and his birthday and your family and your grandmother today. You know, when Doug talks about his family, he lights up. He smiles, and so I want to say you are leading well, and I want to clap for that. I want to clap for that. You're leading well. Talk to us a little bit about family. Family matters. Talk to us about that. Okay, so my family is, uh, that is my foundation, right? The, 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 the pillars that I've built my life on. There's three pillars, and that's one of the main pillars is my family. I think all of us can relate that it's much easier if you have somebody in your life that you call your family, that is your family, that is blood-related, that you can lean on, that you can depend on, that helps you through and, and guides you through um, dif- uh, difficult times. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's my family. It's always been my family. And, uh, and one of the things that I always touch on is it, it doesn't matter if it's, uh, if it's a, a good example or a bad example. Your family is there to set you up and on a, on a not a pedestal, but to, to give you a platform to leap off of so that you can go into the world and, and, and be a better you. Uh, and so that's what my family means to me is that, that they're my foundation so that I could leap off into the world and create my own family. That's so good, man. 
That's so good. You know, the third thing I want to congratulate you about is a phenomenal season. Last season, are you kidding me? Buddy, 1,069 yards. That's crazy. 78 receptions and 14 touchdowns. I mean, I dream, I dream of just one touchdown. 14 touchdowns in a season, man. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What, a, what an awesome season. You know, I was looking at your stats, and I'm like, holy cow. Like, before that, you had 15 touchdowns and then 14 last season. Buddy, red hot, on fire. Congratulate you for that. You, you know what I love is I love that you prioritize because that doesn't just happen. You don't just get good, right? Everyone wants to be good. You don't just get good. Everyone wants the product, right? But it, I'm looking at my brother because yeah. he, he loves Steph Curry, and he thinks Steph Curry just I love Steph Curry. Just happened to, he just <laughs> was born with the ability to shoot threes. Yeah. But he's got to put in the work. Yeah, you have to do the work. That's right. That's so good. And, and so, you know, most of us, I mean, we look at that and we think, holy cow, man, you had success. You had incredible success. So talk to me a little bit, because we've talked about success a little bit. So I guess I could word the question like this. What, what two or three priorities, because you're a man of priorities, so what two or three priorities would you say have totally contributed to your success or joy? Don't, don't take it away from me. <laughs> from your success. Um, so obviously you see the, the back and forth there. I don't really like the word or use the word success because success can be defined in a number of different ways. It's different for everybody. So what I say is, the, to answer this question, two to three things that give me or that have brought me to this joy in my life. And I say joy because happiness to me is temporary. Joy is actually truly fulfilling. That's right. That's good. Um, happiness is more the destination. Joy is more the process to me. Wow. Uh, so there's, there's three things. Um, the first one is my faith. Obviously, my faith is that's the number one pillar. It all starts there. My relationship with Jesus, uh, that's, that's first and foremost. The second one, or there's, I mean, you know, faith is first, and then these other two. My family might get mad at me when I say this, but anyways, failure. I love the word failure. And I, and I, I say that because um, I, if you want to get to where you want to go, you have to try. Right. And nobody is successful the first time. Nobody is successful the second time. Nobody is successful the third time. You're not going to be successful every time that you go out and try. You're going to fail. And the most beautiful thing about failure to me is that it gives you these lessons that you learn. And that those lessons you can apply to everything in order for you to get to success. And so I don't I don't say that oh, I'm going to go out there and I'm I'm going to I'm going to win this game. No, I'm going to do everything I can. And if I fail, good. Good, wow. because New perspective. I know that mm. that lesson that I learned is going to help me to be successful the next time. Right. And even if I fail, the plan that I had, it might not be the best plan. God says, okay, this is not the plan that I have for you, so we're going to fail here so I can get you to see the actual real plan. And so yeah. he turns my eyes in the right direction. So failure to me is one of the most beautiful words because yes. if you're not failing, you're not trying. I love that. And then I obviously, love that. I'm going to write that down. And then obviously, like I said, the last one is fa- not the last one. Yeah. It's family. Yeah. But it's another one of the pillars is my family, the foundation that I have. Um, mm. those, those, are, those are my core values and beliefs of what has made me joyful at this point in my life. Right. That's awesome. I didn't get to this question last gathering. 
but you have a passion for serving your community, and you love that. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. You shared that in the office, and your face lit up when you talked about the students and the school. Share that with us, would you? So when I was in college, uh, I ran across a guy who's, um, he was just one of those people that you know, and he has something special. Um, and, and God, you know, they, they cross our paths all the time. But uh, I remember him saying to me, he said, I want to be a billionaire by the time I'm 30. And I was like, a billionaire? I was like, all right, well, you know, we're at Stanford. You go to, you're in business school, so all right, maybe you do it. He said, no, 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 I'm not talking about money. He says, I want to touch a billion lives by the time I'm 30. And I was like, I mean, obviously, I still remember that to this day. And I remember where I was, what I was wearing, what, what I was like. I just remember the entire environment. And the reason why is because that, that hit me. I want to be a billionaire by the time I'm 30. I want to impact enough lives to say that I'm, I'm leaving a legacy on this earth that, that Jesus would be proud of. That Jesus said, I gave you these gifts, and this is what you did with those gifts. And I'm so proud of you for it. And that's, that's what I want to be, that's what I want to do. I want to make, I want to impact a billion lives by the time I'm 30. So how old are you? Getting old. I'm 27. So I don't have much time left. No, but you know, I, I knew the answer to that question, right? But the reason why I asked that is because we never know how many lives we're actually touching. And you might have already hit that mark. We never know. We never know. Man, okay, so you played football at Gulf Breeze High. We got to see Coach Nemeth last gathering. That was cool. So from Gulf Breeze High all the way to Super Bowl champion, I know that's a, that's, that's a lot. But talk to us a little bit about, about that period. And, and, man, how do you go from there to there? Can you talk about that? I failed. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I failed yeah, so many good. times. Okay, so Gulf Breeze High School, right? Um, I wasn't highly touted. I loved football. I've been playing football since I was six years old. I can't imagine my life without football. And I failed at football many times. So I wasn't highly touted. I didn't have a great senior year. Uh, health problems, wasn't taking care of my body. So I wasn't highly touted by a, a miracle. Um, somebody who actually worked at Stanford, their father worked at Pensacola News Journal, and they were, he told his son, he's like, hey, you should come check out this kid. They came and checked me out. It was the only D1 scholarship I had. Of course, my mom wasn't going to let me go anywhere else, so I had to go to Stanford. Um, and then I went all the way from the south to the west coast, which if any of you know about that transition, you understand how much of a culture shock it was yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, and then I got to Stanford, and I failed. I failed in terms of my, my faith with God. I kind of got lost. Uh, I failed in my academics and also failed on the football field. I was struggling. Uh, it wasn't until my senior year where I kind of found myself. So it took me four years to find myself again. And then I was fortunate enough to, you know, get back on track, but I still failed. So then I went undrafted. And, I mean, you know, been playing football since I was six years old. The, one of my dreams was to hear my name called and walk across the stage and shake the commissioner's hand and hold up that jersey. I wasn't even drafted. I didn't even hear my name called. So I failed. And then God said, don't worry about it. I got you. you your plans were okay, but my plans are so much better. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so now I'm here before you because I failed. Yeah. And that's, that's so solid because so, so much of our life 
I think we're, afri- we're afraid of failure, right? But you can make failure your friend, and you can learn from it and become better. And uh, failure doesn't mean the end. In fact, John Maxwell, he said, failure is simply a price I pay for success. It's a price that I pay. So, man, thank you for sharing that because the truth is there's a lot of students here. There are a lot of young people. My son's sitting out here, his buddy Cole, my nephew's sitting right, right out here. And they need to hear that because, are y'all with me? Like, isn't it easy? We fear failure, right? And then we can fear success too. And, and so, man, we can learn. And ultimately, you said that God can take that. He can take our failure and get us where we need to go. And I, I love that. That's so good. Um, man, t- okay, so you're in the NFL and, and one of the hottest receivers. Unbelievable, man. Talented. I mean, we watched a lot of film on you. You're good. You're really good. And so as a fan, I watch football. And I told you this. I'm a, I'm a Titans fan, which means I, I don't watch a lot of good football. And... Um, <laughs> And, and uh, so I watch, I watch football, and I get hyped. I mean, you know, I'm a Tennessee fan. You saw my office, all the orange, right? And so I just go nuts, man. I, anyone else here like football? You like football? I get a little, get a little excited, you know? I, I mean, re- remember the kick from last season? I remember that. I'm watching. I'm like, no. You know, I pray about football. They say you shouldn't. I do. I pray. I'm just not perfect, but I pray about football. And, um... You know, but talk to me real quick. Talk to me about the tension. Talk to me a little bit about the tension of, man, you're, you're an NFL, and, and you're a Jesus follower, and, and not everyone on the field, kind of like our lives, not everyone out there, right, knows or loves Jesus. How do you balance that? Can you talk to us about that? Um, how do I balance that? That's a good question. Um, Is it a struggle? Is it? I, I, I don't want to say it's a struggle. I think that it's no it's no greater struggle than any of anybody else faces, yeah. right? Um, for me, it's it's a really simple concept. So I'm I'm mathematical, I'm logical, in, in just my normal state of mind. So I just I make it into an equation, right? Yeah. If I want to be the best football player, the best husband, the best lawyer, the best doctor, the best police officer, the best friend that I can be. Yeah. I first have to, you know, I, I want to love those people, right? But I have to love myself. And if I want to be an example in, in showing what love is, I have to love myself. But the only way that I know how to love myself is if I love Jesus. And the only way I know how to love Jesus is if I give myself to Jesus. If I say, Jesus, this is what you did, yeah. and know the love that he has for me. Yes. And so, um, you know, in, in that world, it's... It's not any more difficult than anybody else, but the, the, the way that I look at it is if, if I maintain Jesus as my pillar, as my lighthouse, then he's going to lead the way, and everything else will fall in place. And so, I, you know, I don't, I don't look to, you know, try to control it as much as I used to, right. but yeah. uh, the fact of the matter is, is that if I always have Jesus to fall back onto, then everything else will fall into place. That's so good, man. Jesus said whoever tries to... Um, Whoever tries to protect their life, right, loses it. But whoever surrenders their life, right, really gains it. And we talked a little bit about that in football and even in your love life and all that. Just how, when you say, okay, God, I think we call that surrender. And it's not easy for me. 
It's not easy for any of us. But when we finally, when we let go, and, and the saying says, let God, God does what only God can do, and it's better than what I can do, right? I love that. You know, um, let me ask you this. When football, when football is over and you're in the Hall of Fame, what do you want to be known for? Talk to me about that. I told him last, last session, I, not that. I don't want to be not known. Not, I don't want to be known for football. Um, I told my dad this before. Like the only thing that matters when you're dead, when you're on your deathbed, or when you're at your funeral, the only thing that you're going to care about. You're not going to care about the touchdowns or the accolades. You're not going to care about how much money you had, or about the house that you had, or the cars that you had. It's not about the only thing that's going to matter to you in that moment is the people that you have around you. Right. And for me, when when it's all said and done for me, when my time is up to go to go meet Jesus in heaven, I want the people who are around me to know that I love them with everything that I had, that my time was valued for them, wow. not for my job, not for things that were unimportant, but my time was valued for them, that my effort was valued for them, that everything that I wanted to give to them, I tried to give to them. And I want my wife to know, just like it says in the Bible, I want her to think or believe that I tried the best that I could to love her like Jesus loved the church. And that's... Say, say that Say that one more time. Say that one more time. That's so good. You want to love her... As Jesus loved the church. Wow. And Jesus died for the church. He gave his life. He gave his wow. life for the church. Wow. And so for me, that's, that's what I want to be known as. That's the legacy I want to leave is for my family and for my loved ones is, is for them to know that I gave everything to them because, uh, you know, I want to be able to live on earth physically longer than I am here. And when I say that, I mean that what I instill in my kids and my little brother and my, and my, and my son and my, and my daughter, my future son and daughter, I want them to be able to pass that on to their children. What I instilled in them, the morals, the values, the, the, just what I can bring to the table, I want them to instill that in their kids and say, yeah, your grandfather taught me this. And even though he's not here right now, we're, we're better off because of what he did. That's what I want to leave as my legacy. Wow. That's so, so powerful, man. And you know what I love? I love the fact that that's really your heart. Like, you really mean that. And that's why you're going to do it. That's why you're going to do it. When I say Jesus, when, when we say Jesus loves you, and Jesus died for you, and Jesus rose again, what does that mean to you? Okay, so if you don't get anything out of the Bible, right, if, you, if, you don't, if you don't understand anything, if you don't read anything else out of the Bible, just get that one thought, that, that Jesus died for our sins, and then he rose. Okay, so I did this last sermon. I want you guys to actually visualize this with me, okay? Out of all the sinning that we've done, all the wrong that we've done, right, Think, think about this. Think about how mad your parents, you, you've made your parents before. Or think about how mad your kids have made you before, right? There's nothing you could do that could prevent Jesus from loving you. So true. Nothing. So true. Out of all the sins that we've done, all the bad stuff that we've done, God said, you know what? I love you so much still that I'm going to send my son down to earth, and he's going to forgive you for your sins. He's going to take all of your sins away. Okay. Did, say that again because I don't think you guys really heard me. 
He said, I'm going to send Jesus down to take away your sin. Even though you've, you've refused me, you've denied me, even though you don't believe in me, I'm still going to send Jesus down to take away your sin. And we had talked before about the difference, the, the two different kinds of loves. And we all know love, you know, we want to say that we have unconditional love for our spouse or for our children, but we all have transactional love, which means that I give you love right. and I'm expecting a little something back. Right? That's right. And everybody said, that's Amen. right. <laughs> Amen. But the one love that can never be surpassed is unconditional, true, unconditional, fulfilling love that Jesus has provided for us that we, that we can only experience through Jesus. And if you don't get anything else out of today or, you know, in your lifetime, just take that, that Jesus died for your sins because he loves us. Well said, man. Wow. Like sometimes I'll get emotional when I think about that because I know me, you know, and we from the beginning, like we're four years old today. Um, We started at Shoreline Park under a little pavilion. And four years ago today, we saw people come and, and we said, we said two things. We said, hope has a name. That's Jesus. Only one name that we want to lift up. And then we said, no perfect people allowed. And, and that Easter four years ago, we watched so many people hear the truth of what you just said. And they responded. Was, and it, was it easy? Was it easy? Was it easy? No. To get, to get to this point. Four years, was it easy? Oh, no. No. It's, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. It's the hardest. You know, it, it really was. I, I remember that Sunday thinking, what if no one shows up? You know? And God showed up. And people showed up. And people responded. And, and really, I think you and me both, we share that. That that's the desire of our heart. Is that there, there are great people here today. And they've had religion thrown at them. They've had people who said they knew Jesus or were representing Jesus. And it's like, man, wait, 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 wait a second. You know, um, someone once said, man, I, I love Jesus. It's his followers that I struggle with. And so, and that guy started a religion. So, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm just thinking today, that is a powerful truth. And we sit here on Easter Sunday. Jesus is alive. He didn't just die. He's alive. Can you talk to me a little bit? Talk to me a little bit about that resurrection, man. He's risen. He's risen. Yeah. So for the record, it's the only person in history who said that he was going to die and then rise again. I'm just following a guy like that. I mean, who can argue? But that's the point is that his promise was true and his promise will remain true. So when he says that I am the resurrection in John 11, I am the resurrection through me is life. Who are we to deny that? That's his promise. And so that's what it means that if we love Jesus, if we believe in him, if we accept him as our savior and as our light, he will bring us out of the darkness. He will reveal the truth to us. And the truth is that we are loved, that we are imperfect. However, we are his children. And that that is enough. And the reason why that is enough is because he's enough. So good. Man, that's so good. Yeah, I want to clap for that. 
Wow. So there are people here today, and, and you know, Jesus has been misrepresented. There are people here today that you've been told you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this. There, there are people here today that they're hoping at the end of the day, they're good people. But at the end of the day, they're hoping that, man, my good maybe is better than my bad. And I, I want to go to heaven one day. And, and, you know, we're here to say that, that Jesus is life. I heard you say that. Jesus is life. And so it's not even, a, it is about heaven one day. But it's that Jesus is life today, right? Like, I remember where I was. You remember where you were when Jesus reached down and rescued us. That's the series we've been going through is rescue. And Jesus came to me when I couldn't come to him, when I didn't want him. Jesus kept coming, and he kept loving. You know, in football, you're a wide receiver, and so stiff-arming is a good thing, right? You're trying to get the extra yards. You're trying to get the touchdown, and you, and you push back. And I love the fact that even though many of us have pushed back against God, God's love is relentless. And, and, and like the gulf, it just keeps coming. Just wave after wave. You say, I don't believe in the waves. I don't believe in the waves. I'm not going to the beach. It just keeps coming. And I resonate with that because my dad's here, and he could he'd definitely agree with this. But there was a time in my life where, where I did this to God. And I think we all have. And so when we say no perfect people allowed, that's really the heart of God. God says just come, right? I love that. Listen, it, I hate that our time is up because I, I really would like to ask you a lot of other questions, man. And you've been so, so humble. You've been so genuine. You've been so authentic, so transparent. And I'm just humbled to get to know you. And you inspire me. I want to be a better man. And at the end of the day, I think that's how we want to live, right? That other people would look at the light that's in us, that's Jesus, and say, I want, to, I want to live a better life. I want to leave a legacy. And so I, I just want to honor you and say thank you for coming here. Um, you could be anywhere. Um, I know Judas Smith would love to have you, especially at Easter. But you came here. And I just want to say thank you. I want you, um, we're going to clap for you in just a minute and honor you, but I really want you to get your grandma's house on time. He's going to go to another uh, gathering, another service. And so you told us at the beginning, you said, man, I always do like an hour, you know, I always give an hour here, hour there, you know, for charity. And you were generous enough to do two. And I just cannot, I think all of us, um, can I tell you how much we appreciate that? Thank you. We want to honor you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Can I say one more thing? You say whatever you want. He wants to get me off the stage. No, so I wanted to say this, and this was, this was on my heart, um, and I wanted to say it uh, last gathering, but I, I need to say it now. Um, we're here because of Jesus, right? I hope none of you came because you saw my name on the poster, because that's not what this is about. This is about Easter and what God and Jesus have done for us is, is shown us the unconditional love. And I wanted to say one thing to you, that if you are struggling in life, if you are, you know, whatever you're dealing with, because we all have our own things that we're dealing with. I know I'm personally still dealing with a lot. 
I wanted to tell this one thing that God told us, right? He never said that the weapons would not form. He just said that they would not prosper. So whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with in life, just know that, yes, those weapons are there, but they will not prosper. They will not prosper. They cannot prosper because Jesus has already done it. He's already saved us from our own selves. He's already saved us from sin. So whatever you're going through, just know that. Remember that, that God has already saved us. That is so good. How about that? Turn to someone and say, how about that? How about that? Man, I love you. Thank you so much. And like I told you last gathering, when football's over, come be a pastor with us at Momentum, man. You got it. I love you. We'll see you. Thank you, buddy. You guys may be seated. I want to, for about seven minutes, I want to just show you a few things. Would you look at the screen? I want to put up um, a verse here. Doug was out here last gathering for this seven, eight minutes. And um, here, here's the truth. John 16, 9 says this. Let's look at it. John 16, 9. It says that the world's sin is that it refuses to believe. In me. Like, here's the truth. The only thing that can keep you from God's love is you, is me. The only thing, like, I, I, I can do this, and, and his love is relentless. It keeps coming, and it keeps coming, and it keeps coming. But at the end of the day, when our life is done, here's what I know there'd be two types of people, and we're not talking politics. We're talking, not political, we're talking eternal. We're saying that at the end of the day, there will be people that had a relationship with God. And there are people that did not. Those are the two types of people. At the end of the day. And so God says, I I know, like, because sin entered the world and jacked the world up. People are confused. And all these religions... That's Satan's strategy. If you don't know that, religion is Satan's strategy to confuse people and take them where he's going, away from God's love. That's a place called hell. And so Jesus, in his love, said, you know what? I'm going to make this obvious. And God said, we're going to paint a picture. We're going to illustrate. We're going to demonstrate how much God really loves you. So look at Romans 5.8. Let's put that up. But God showed His love for us, that means you, that means me. He showed his love for us by sending Christ to die. What's the next two words? You can say them, it's okay. What's the next two words? Say it real loud. One more time. That sounds good, one more time. Why did he send Christ to die for us? Because he must be for us. And I know you've ran into people and they've totally misrepresented Jesus. You listen to me today. God hates sin. It was my sin and your sin and our sin. That's the reason Jesus died. Sin is expensive. God hates sin. But I'm here to tell someone today that really thinks that God hates you, that he doesn't hate you. That he loves you and he is for you. And that's why he died. 
That's why he took my sin and your sin. That's why his love keeps coming to you. Now look at this, Romans eight or Romans 3.22. We are made right with God by placing our faith. How are we made right with God? Because religion says I have to do this. Religion says I got to go to that church. Religion says I got to be a member of that church. Religion says I got to be baptized by these people. Religion, 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 religion. Do, 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 do. And all of a sudden, all you got is a pile. And the relationship with Jesus is where it's at. The last thing Jesus says on the cross is it is finished. So we are made right with God. How? By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for, someone say the word everyone. Who? Everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. Have you believed? And it's like this chair. I believe this is a chair. This is a new chair. It's great. I'm going to sit in this chair. I put all my weight in this chair, and I trust this chair to do what it's supposed to do. And we get on airplanes, right? We get on airplanes, and we just trust. We don't know the pilot. We don't know, we don't know anything, man. We get on that plane, and we just trust to take us from point A to B, from this city to that city. And some of us, we do that quite often. And we place our trust. We're used to placing our trust. We put our faith in a lot of things. And Jesus is the only one that won't disappoint you. So if we place our faith and trust in him. Romans 10, 9 through 10. Let's look at this. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your, oh, there's the word believe again. And believe in your heart that God, oh, Resurrection Sunday, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how you get to heaven. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, Jesus, you're God, I'm not. You died and you died for me. And the truth is that's history. But when I believe he died for me, when I believe he rose again for me, that's salvation. I just invite a lot of people today. Why do we bring Doug? Because I want you to hear from him. We've watched him on TV. Doug knows Jesus. Do you? We want you to. And knowing Jesus doesn't mean that you become a member of Momentum. And it doesn't mean, no, no, no. Knowing Jesus means that there's a time in your life when you confess and say, God, I'm a mess. And I've got a lot of questions, a lot of doubts, a lot of fears. I don't understand a lot of things. But, but I'm going to put my faith and trust. I'm going to put that in you. I'm going to trust you to do what you said you would do. Promise made, promise kept. The resurrection is simply what separates Christianity from all of religion. Jesus is alive and he wants to live in and through you. And what I know today is there's a lot of us here. We're, the truth is we're all broken. But there's a lot of us here that, that we try to numb the pain of our lives. Maybe we try to numb the pain of our past. And we do it with all kinds of things. And I just simply say to you that what Doug said is true. So let me ask this. If you're here today and you're a Christian 
and, and, and there's something between you and God. You know you're a Christian. You've already done this. You've given your life to Jesus. None of us are perfect. But if you're a Christian and right now there's something keeping you back, it's kind of holding you back from, from running like God made you to run, from, from being who God made you to be, from pursuing God the way he created you to know him and pursue him. I'm talking to Christians. If that's you and you say, Tim, there's, there's an area in my life right now. There's some sin and it's holding me back with heads up and eyes open. I want to pray for you. Would you just, with no one here but us, would you say, Tim, that's me. That's where I'm at. I'm struggling. I, I know Jesus, but there's some things in my life I'm really, really struggling with. There's some sin. There's some things that aren't right. And what a better Sunday than Easter Sunday to make that right. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? Would you just simply raise your hand? You say, that's me, Tim. And I see hands and hands and hands and hands and hands and hands and hands. I see hands and hands and hands. I see a hand in the back, down front, all the way. Man, I want to pray for you. Let's pray. God, I pray for my friends that are here today that know you. They've given their life. They've already placed their trust and their belief in you. But there's sin in their life, God, that's holding them back from from repping you well, from knowing you as a Christian, the way that you designed us to know you. Whatever that is, God, I pray as they confess it, you give them the courage to forsake it. And now with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to talk to those of you really quick that you've never shifted your belief to Jesus. Let's do it today. You've already heard the gospel. He loves you. He died for you. He paid for your sins. He rose again to prove that it was true. And he wants to raise your life. You can be made new today. Wherever you are, you can be made new. Jesus makes all things brand new. If that's where you're at, on the count of three, would you... Would you raise your hand on the count of three? We won't embarrass you. We're going to, I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a minute. But if that's you right now, holy moment, you say, Tim, that's where I'm at. I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus. We're not preaching religion. We're not preaching denomination. We're not none of that stuff. We're saying Jesus and only Jesus and always Jesus. Would you say, Tim, today I want to give my life to him. I want to place my faith in Christ. If that's you, on the count of three, would you raise your hand? There's already hands starting to go up. On the count of three, Holy Spirit, give them courage, I pray. Right now, one, two, three. That's right. Would you hold it up? Just hold your hands up. I see your hand. Hold it up high. That's right. That's right. Hold it up high in the back. That's right. I see your hand. Hold it up. Say, Tim, pray for me today. Yeah, I want to give my life to Christ. I see your hand. That's amazing. Hands everywhere. I want to lead you in what we call a sinner's prayer. Let's pray together as a family, heads bowed and eyes closed. Everyone, you pray this out loud. We'll pray this together. Dear Jesus, I confess I'm a mess. Thank you for loving me anyways. I accept your love and all that comes with it. Thank you for dying for me, for rising again so I could have new life. I give you my life. Now teach me how to live. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Isn't that great? Let's celebrate for all those who today.